What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, September 19th, 2021, and this week's episode, UFC 266, The Party Mix. We'll be talking about a weekend full of fights, UFC Vegas 37 and Bellator 266. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news, Anthony Rumble Johnson being out of the light heavyweight Grand Prix, and his replacement Julius Angelicus taking his spot in the tournament, the trilogy between Brandon Moreno and Davison Figueredo on tap for UFC 269, Demetrius Johnson against Rod Tang in one, and the possible emergence of a new promotion that could shake up MMA as we know it, and also the party mix, the one we've been waiting for, UFC 266 and an epic triple header. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm here to discuss the fun with Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Uh, yeah, party mix, I like that. That is definitely what that pay-per-view is going to be, because it's like typical pay-per-view stuff and then ba-bam you know you know what fight i'm talking about that's like a extra special could have been its own pay-per-view uh you know would have would have gone gangbusters on free at espn uh so yeah i like that a lot that's uh let's get let's get right let's get the party going i guess so we can get to that as soon as possible yeah i mean we had a lot of mma to get through to go back to this saturday of course um start with ufc anthony smith taking on ryan span this one, look, I get it. When you know you've got this pay-per-view coming up and you don't have the most stacked undercard for Saturday, it kind of flew under the radar. This was a just solid performance from Anthony Smith. I will say, and I know that he wore it well and he probably played it off a lot better than um, most fighters would have. I felt like Anthony was taking a couple solid shots from Ryan. I thought that Ryan moved him around a bit. I felt like that just more compact frame of span was cracking Smith. And even though he didn't really come close to like, oh, you know, Smith is on wobbly legs. I did feel like Anthony respected the power. That being said, span just, um, I, I don't know if he felt like he just wanted to have a firefight with Smith. But the fact that he just kind of stood there and Anthony was able to slip and just crack him with those big shots that got spanned to the canvas. I think that was really the biggest difference in the two of them is the fact that Anthony just was able to counter and Ryan really just showed that he was not on the level of Anthony Smith with the timing and the striking. And really, that's all she wrote. Anthony followed him down, got the choke, got the finish. Um... For being a short fight and rather one-sided, it was actually very entertaining. You know, like, that's a good, you know, couple minutes wasted on Instagram later on, if you ask me. What about you? <laughs> yeah, it was good, man. Anthony Smith is is back to being the exciting killer that got him that title shot. And, you know, it's what I was expecting him to, to do, to come out there and just attack. The guy is just, he's, he's... I wouldn't say he's fearless, but he's ferocious and, like, is not deterred at all. There's no quitting him. We've seen it before. The Glover Teixeira, my teeth are falling out. I mean, there's no quitting the man. And even when he's down, there's no quit. But especially when he's up, it's just, like, full on, you know, pedal to the metal until he finishes you. And, of course, after the, uh, the, the tap, 
he has some some words for Ryan Span now. Uh, you'll have to educate me a little bit. So obviously there was some kind of beef, but what was Ryan Span saying ahead of the fight that got Anthony Smith so fired up when he beat him? You know, as I understood it, uh, Ryan Span was just kind of like, you know, Anthony Smith sucks. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anthony Smith, I don't know if you saw the post-fight, um, you know, scrum after the, you know, with the media, but he was just like, I think I was just having my Michael Jordan and I took that personally moment. Because mm-hmm. if we're being quite honest, I mean, any level of trash talk, essentially, you're saying, oh, I'm gonna wipe the floor with this dude. So the yeah. fact that Smith kind of felt, you know, he said, like, uh, I, I, let's be honest, the post-fight interview really got bleeped out, but it essentially boiled <laughs> yeah. down to, um, like, oh, you know, like, now you gotta respect me and this and that. And I was like, you know, Anthony Smith, you know, we're talking about this nice dude, protects his family, gets on the desk, has a brand new smile on TV. And hey, he, he got a little hood with Ryan Spann. I was like, whoa. And then they had their weird little like, oh, it's all good, respect. And I was just like, I mean, you know, we thought we were about to get Connor and Habib. You know what I mean? So it, it was definitely an odd one. It was fun to see that how it turned around where I think, you know, I don't know who who cracked the who, you know, who who engaged first with the with the peace offering. But it was kind of nice to see that it was like, all right, all right, I got you. I smoked you. I, I rubbed it in your face. But yeah, OK, let's hug it out. Uh, I appreciated that. Anthony Smith is a, a class act. And, and Ryan Spann, you know, he, he could have stayed salty about it, but he didn't. Because when you get when you get beat, you get beat. And like. You, you can't be a sore sport in this game. Uh, oh, you certainly can, but it doesn't do you say, any wait, favors. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Conor McGregor, you certainly can, but it doesn't do you any favors. So, you know, um, I was happy to see that they uh, that they shook hands. But that's what I love about MMA is that, like, even think about, you know, Diaz, McGregor, too, and they're all hugging and, and, you know, patting each other's heads. But, like, as soon as they get back in front of their phones or on the mic again, it's like, I'm going to beat you again. Like, you know... It's it's good sportsmanship, but it's not like, you know, no one's bending over backwards here to be friendly. It's just like, uh, you know, okay, acknowledge defeat, acknowledge victory, and let's move back to, you know, enemies again by Monday, right? I mean, uh, I'm going to say this. Look at um, winning. Just winning by itself doesn't always get you paid. I think there are quite a few examples of some quiet guys that re- really, you know, they just haven't put themselves over with the fans. So part of it is the show business, right? And I think that's why we see people talk because it's like, look, I mean, say a little something and you, suddenly you get a couple more people want to sponsor you when the fight finally rolls around. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. that that's part of it and that's all it is. And the guys know that and the girls know that. So it's just part of it. Um, talking about the future uh anthony smith essentially locked in a rematch with uh alexander rockich i'm gonna be honest with you uh, that is not the fight i would have picked for him more or less because i really felt like and and i will toss this up real quick i would have put rockich in with jiri prohashka and i don't know what's going on with jiri i don't know if he's uh maybe he's trying to be the backup for um uh blahovich and tashira coming up next month but I would have thought, hey, you know, it's been long enough since their last fights. I almost feel like right about now is when you want to schedule those two and the winner goes on 
to fight the winner of Blahovich and Tashira. Now, I know that Rockich, uh, to say bluntly, his fight with Glover, um, sorry, not Glover, but his fight with Tiago Santos, that was one of the more inspiring, uninspiring fights of 2021. I understand if the UFC isn't exactly jumping out of their seat to say, you're going to be a UFC champion, we're giving you the shot. However, he's on the win streak. Jiri, kind of new to the title picture. He's only had uh, two fights in UFC, I believe. To me, you know, I, I just felt like the pendulum is swinging two different directions. And for Anthony Smith, I feel like he still has to catch up to those guys. I would have paired him with the winner of uh, Tiago Santos and Johnny Walker coming up in about two weeks. But if we're saying that Jiri Prohashka... He doesn't have to fight anybody else. He's getting a title shot next. Then okay, I'm also alright with the rocketry match if they're both down for it. But the fact that we saw that fight so recently, to me, I, I was just a little confused about seeing that for Anthony Smith. What about you? Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, that's his call out. I was like, oh, okay. But I think it's just personal. He's just trying to get those L's back. I think... The way I look at Anthony Smith, I think I said it last week, kind of like Donald Cerrone, where like once the title picture is, is, it's almost like, you know what, I'm way more successful if I'm not focused on the belt, if I'm just focused on being a savage in the cage. And so probably he has a bad taste in his mouth from that loss that was coming off of the Glover Teixeira loss. And I think he just wants revenge, and that's it. I don't think he's thinking about where does this take me next. I kind of dig it. But, you know, it's up to the UFC, of course. I mean, to me, um, I think he's just at an interesting time because he gets one more win. He's certainly an intriguing contender for either uh, Blahovich or the way he's going, possibly Glover again. But, yeah, I, I guess to me, I really want to see what... I, I just want the UFC to make a call. What are you honestly doing with Jiri? What are you honestly doing with Rakic? Because... If you're not pairing them together, I think that that really says a lot about what, how you see the next couple months of the division. Not just the title fight, but probably early 2022. So, But yeah, I, I don't hate it. I think it's still a good fight. Rockage is no joke. I think people... I, I understand the Santos fight. You know, it was just about as bland as you could get. But he is a very tough guy and he's very powerful. He's on a good win streak. He is not a pushover for anybody, including Anthony Smith. So I think that that's going to be a very wait-and-see situation there. Uh, you know, good stuff. Undercard had some action. But at the same time, Bellator is back in California. They're back at their home base at the SAP Center. And it's the light heavyweight debut, light promotional debut of Yoel Romero against former champion Phil Davis. And Natalie, I told you, no wrestling... It's going to be a long night for Yoel. And, you know, he had some moments. He uh, Second round in particular, he just seemed to get going a little bit. But I, I just felt like the height, the reach, and if I'm being honest, just the striking. Phil Davis isn't Israel Adesanya by any means. But he used his length and he used his frame. And he was able to just really extend that jab, keep Yoel Romero from getting in his range and... He got out of the way. He really didn't look like he was struggling to outmaneuver when Yoel came at him. And of course, the third round, he got the takedowns and he just stuck to him. Um, I had it an easy route 
for uh, Phil. Um, I know that that one judge gave Yoel two rounds, and uh, I, I just mm-hmm. did not see that fight anywhere near close to a Yoel Romero victory. I'm sorry, but that was, that was my thoughts on the fight. What about you? Yeah, exactly the same. When when the judge, when the uh, announcer Michael C. Hall uh, or Williams, I can't remember, uh, read the um, the scorecards. It's like, what fight were you watching? I mean, the round three could have been a 10-8 for Phil Davis. It was just total domination. The fact that he was taking down Yul Romero, keeping him down, uh, very shocking. The crowd even reacted poorly, uh, booed a little bit uh, when Yoel got one of the uh, the nods there. I was surprised that Yoel Romero didn't do more, but it's kind of what he's been doing lately, even the last couple of the UFC, just doing that kind of shuffling around the hand crossing the hands in front of the face you know for his defense not a lot of offense it's just flash and no no bang so i'm not sure what you know yoel romero is thinking about his fight style these days but it was a little underwhelming phil davis did more than i expected him to and uh that's a good performance for him it's a good win for him but I was surprised that Yoel didn't do more. I just heard him on, on the MMA Hour saying that if he had been able to compete against Rumble Johnson in Rumble's debut, you know, he would have beat him easily. That, that, that would have been a, a good victory for him. I don't know about that, just based on what I saw yesterday. Now, of course, completely different style of fighter is Rumble Johnson from Phil Davis. But I'm looking at Yoel Romero, and he's been doing the same thing for a couple of fights now. And it's um it's not... A good strategy also his physique it was so interesting to see him not cut you know the 185 you all that i'm used to seeing this guy had a lot more fat on his you know over his muscles you couldn't see the definition so i think he just um, he, he carried in the stomach right i saw that too <laughs> just legs, say it like it is <laughs> chest traps i mean everything was just less defined but you know there's still the bulk underneath you can see it he didn't try to muscle up to 205 he just didn't cut weight to fight at 205 you know so you can see that maybe he'll change that for the next fight um depending on how he felt in the cage but i would say underwhelming a little disappointing you know romero is is a name is a, is a big name it's something that you know bellator was hoping to capitalize on and i'm thinking okay well how is scott coker feeling about that fight now and how is he feeling about the brand you Romero as far as you know eyeballs it's going to attract for the next fight probably not feeling too good not terrible but not too good about it well uh, I did hear Scott Coker say that look when Yoel Romero is ready to come back we're ready to put him in um I, I think they kind of see it as a short-term return for Yoel what what I will say in it's going to sound a little apples to oranges, but Yoel Romero reminds me right now of later in the career Dan Henderson. Just, you know, everyone talked about, well, he's got that Olympian Greco-Roman wrestling. Let's be honest. You watch Dan Henderson late in the game. It was all H-bomb. Everything to set up the big right hand. Fake the wrestling. Get in close, you know. He was never looking to take anyone down. He was just really trying to get in position to really crack you with it. I think Yoel Romero's got a little more... He's more dynamic. He'll throw some kicks. He had some heavy kicks on Saturday. But once again, even... He had a couple great uh, sprawls, but 
there was no offensive wrestling from your from a silver medalist you yeah. know and look I, once again I, i've said it like 44 years old uh, people forget he had a serious possibly career-threatening neck injury earlier i think maybe when he was about 30 that some stuff doesn't go away and i feel like he's almost playing it like oh i don't think i'll just say this i don't think he ever plans to use his wrestling again he's had a couple great opportunities um they've broken it down the takedown is right there and he's just electing to stay standing up and i Mm -hmm. don't know if it's he just wants to conserve his energy because he carries all that muscle or is if it is a nagging injury or what have you but I will tell you, when you talk about uh, Yoel Romero versus Orion Bader, Vadim Nemkov, Rumble Johnson, if he's not going to use his wrestling, I don't see him having an easy route to a victory over any of these top guys. And now look, uh, that's at 205. At 185, that explosiveness and that size. And I understand that's a big jump. Uh, if it's an easier weight cut for him, 205, I completely get it at this stage of his career. But I felt like, okay, if it's the stress of the weight cut and you're you're still not wrestling, I think that, you know, look, he's still going to be exciting. He's still going to bring it. I'm sure he still hits like a truck. But when you're talking about these guys who know how to strike and outmaneuver, it's a tough mountain to climb for a shorter Yoel Romero. Because remember, he was never the tallest guy at middleweight. And now at 205, when you see some of those guys, it's just a tough mountain to climb at this stage of his career. And once again, I said it like if he has, if he uses his wrestling, suddenly the ball game is very different. But I think by now I feel very confident saying for whatever reason, he's just not planning to use it. He's just going to play it off as maybe I will, maybe I won't. They asked him before this fight. You know, it's not a wrestling match, it's a it's MMA and I'm like you did not use the full MMA. And I feel <laughs> like had you gone for a couple more takedowns, maybe Phil Davis doesn't feel as comfortable trying to throw hands with you. And here we are. Yeah. So that uh, once again, I I think that he's going to be he's going to be a big draw for Bellator relatively speaking, but I don't know if I see him beating those top guys. And what I will say, if he goes to 185, the one big advantage, if he fights a guy like a um, Austin Vanderford or obviously Gegar Musasi, is that he's still very explosive and powerful. And those are that's one thing that I feel like Gegar has struggled with, is just when he's up against a quicker, just pop out at you like a bullet fighter, that's the one thing Gegar Musasi really has never had in his toolbox. And... I think that that could pose problems, but once again, that's if he wants to go back to 185. Right now, he's pretty content at 205. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't disagree with any of that, man. Pretty well said. I mean, let's talk a little bit about. Oh, did you hear that he said that he thought the fight was five rounds, not three? That Yoel said that. Yes. Like, because he's coming off UFC, like, after the fight, I guess he was talking and he was, like, irate about something. And I guess he was trying to say, what do you mean that's the end of the fight? I thought we had two more rounds. I I have not been able to, I've not been able to confirm whether or not he actually said and thought that. But I was, like, that's what the commentary said. And there wasn't any immediate, oh, Yol Romero clarifies 
he has i don't think he's even been on social media yet but um that's shocking um especially if you think about um like okay i get like before you get there maybe still even thinking so but once you're in the cage that means that the whole time he was like his strategy was stretching out you know was was his strategy was stretched out across five rounds <laughs> that's Oh boy, that's hilarious, bro! I uh, wow. I call BS. That, that kind of explains. You think Not, that's BS? I call. I am calling it now. I think that it was trying to play off a disappointing performance. I was. No, I I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. You signed the paperwork. You, uh, all your coaches and all that. You're telling me all these people at American Top Team dropped the ball and didn't realize you're fighting 25, not 15 minutes. I, mean, I, I just don't. Also, rules meeting. They discuss the rules with every fighter for their fight. Uh-huh. I just, I, you know, uh, it's not just safety. I, I, you, I just refuse to believe he somehow thought that. Uh, and his coaches thought that. I, I just don't buy it. I want to hear him just come out and say, like, no, clarify what you meant. Why were you dis Like, because if he was disappointed in the fight, or even if he thought he won, okay, but you're telling me you thought that was five rounds? No. I'm not going to give him the pass on that one. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty that's pretty darn hard to believe. And if, you're, and if you are lying, that's ballsy. And to have the mind to, to lie like that on that scale... It's almost like you know um, what's his name Deontay Wilder coming out saying like oh it was it was the heavy the heavy costume that got me tired before I got to the fight to the ring that's why I lost wow oh I thought it was three rounds yeah yeah um, I I could see how it would be BS but like I said if if that really is that is that is ballsy man woo <sighs> anyway uh, Phil Davis um you know what he. I want to pair him up with the loser of one of the fights coming up about a month from now in the semis. So you've got Ryan Bader against Corey Anderson. Um, either one of those. For I know Phil has already fought Ryan and lost twice. Um, I wouldn't mind the Corey Anderson fight. And then, of course, there's the news that came out is that uh, Vadim Nem- you know, Anthony Johnson is out of the fight with Vadim Nemkov. We found that out yesterday morning. And, you know, I want to acknowledge it now. He, this wasn't, he hurt his uh, knee. He hurt, uh, you know, he broke his hand. Rumble Johnson, he's saying that it was something potentially very serious. So, you know, he went on Instagram, said, I've never been scared of something like this before. He felt the need to edit the post to say it's not COVID. Yeah. So whatever he's got going on, first and foremost, uh, I just wish you the best, Rumble. I when you say something like that, I think your imagination can certainly make it a lot scarier on what I what we speculate he might have might have. But all I'll say is just uh, for whatever it's got going on, I hope I just wish him the best, and I certainly hope that it is not uh, so grim and so dire for him. Um, to talk about MMA, though, uh, we have the reigning champion now taking on a short-notice replacement, Julius Angelicus. Julius is 10-1. and He is a contender series veteran. He won his fight on contender series, but he didn't get a contract. And he's on a nine-fight win streak overall, and he's on a three-fight win streak, 3-0 since he got to Bellator. Um, 
so he's been doing his work for a minute. And he's going to be taking on the reigning champion in Vadim Nemkov. Just what are your thoughts on the changeup and obviously the news in general? Uh, you know, yeah, very concerned. I was not relieved, but I'm I'm glad that Rumble clarified it's not COVID. But then it's like, okay, if it's not COVID, then it's something bigger, right? It's um, I won't speculate, but you know the things that are that are real um, fears of anybody. The the big things you don't want to get that require a lot of treatment. That's what I think everyone's figuring this could be. And then I also thought about Scott Coker, and it's like these two huge investments he made with former UFC big names and Rumble Johnson and Yael Romero, and he's sitting there thinking, oh boy, like these didn't pay off at all. And it makes me think of PFL, Ray Seppo, you know, and, and uh, um, oh boy, Anthony Pettis and um, Rory McDonald. Like that's tough, man, when, when you're in that position for Scott Coker. You know, he'll make the most of it. He's always going to go back to we're building our own stable and that's that's what we're doing here. These other fighters that we bring in, it's like, you know, we bring them in to see, we want them to succeed, but also to show, hey, our guys are, are the best out there and look how they're defeating these former UFC fighters. Uh, but yeah, it, it made me think mostly about Scott Coker. I hope Rumble Johnson's okay. It's a little scary, you know, to put out news like that and be so vague about it. Um, I just hope he's doing. I hope, I hope he's getting the best treatment he can. I guess we'll leave it at that because we don't know anything else. Um, how about stepping in to fight a guy for Julius? Stepping in to take on a guy who's just on a tear in Vadim Nemkov. Yeah, I mean that's. If you're if you're Julius, it's like okay, great, you got the opportunity you weren't expecting, but also now you better hurry up and prepare uh, for someone who's who's beating, you know, like Ryan Bader, right? Like someone that was on top of the world not that long ago. So good opportunity, and uh, it sucks for Rumble. It sucks for the tournament because after UL was pulled from it, it's like okay, well at least we got Rumble in there. Um, but look, that's the game, the tournament. That's part of the drama, you know. Nothing is ever going to go as planned. The starting lineup never ends up being the the finishing lineup, and the two the two fighters at the end are, are not always who you expect them to be. So that's that's tournaments, but but uh, Vadim is still the man to be feared, and that doesn't matter with a with an opponent change in this case. My final note on it, uh, you know, we were talking about this um, at Cage Side Press. Julius's original opponent for October was actually a guy who's not only beaten um, Vadim before, but also Nemkov's brother. So I know that he's kind of coming in, just kind of like rolling up in Rocky Balboa, but he's actually a guy who, you know, when you look at the 205 division... He probably could have been there in place of, for example, Corey Anderson's first-round opponent, who uh, we, you know, people still have questions about. So I will say, Julius. I mean, he's a live dog on the betting line. Like, it isn't just a slam dunk for Vadim Nemkov. He's fighting somebody, you know, uh, coming off uh, just a uh, unknown. I, he's taken on a guy who is preparing to make his own stamp and build a resume in Bellator. So I will say that in credit to Julius. 
Um, some other news. Uh, we got the confirmation that the December 11th card will actually be very stacked. Brandon Moreno, the flyweight champion, is going to run it back for the trilogy against Davis and Figueredo on December 11th. So remember, there's now three title fights. You've got Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier, Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena, and now, obviously, the flyweights. The plan was Alexandre Pantoja taking on Brandon Moreno. What, what the report said is that Pantoja wasn't going to be ready to fight this year. And Brandon Moreno said, you know, I'm ready to go. I don't want to keep waiting. So they elected to run it back with Figueredo. Um, going back to it, I don't think we need too much of a refresher. Moreno, he hasn't lost in seven fights. He has had two draws, but one of them being to Figueredo on three weeks notice. And then obviously he won the rematch. Figueredo, he's been on a great run himself. Six fights without a loss. And obviously that one was against Brandon back in May. So Natalie, not what we expected, but I guess what are your general thoughts on this one? Yeah, not what we expected. I mean, that's that's for sure. The thing is, we're guaranteed a great fight. And that's all you can ask for. Moreno's an exciting champion. Figueredo was an exciting champion. The, the way that they fought in the first fight left us wanting more. Obviously, we had the rematch. Moreno shocked the world and beat him, you know, submitted him. It's a great fight. We didn't need the third one right away, but we did need the third one at some point. So, okay, we'll take it. It's a Christmas present. And, you know, this is maybe the fastest you've had your three fights for, you know, your rubber match schedule in the UFC. I, I feel like it's been, what, a year? Less? A year and a half? How long has it been since they fought initially? I have to look it up. I think it's going to be almost exactly a year. It was on the December pay-per-view that they fought. That's quick. Like, can you think of any other rubber match that's been scheduled, like, through and through in a year? I can't off the top of my head. I was um, gonna, Yeah, I was going to bring it up. I think that I can't remember the last time a trilogy actually booked all three fights back to back to back. Even yeah. in boxing, you know, yeah. respectfully. So what I will say is that um, this is kind of... Moreno's taken all the risk. Because I think that you beat Figueredo even though he's still a solid contender, it's kind of hard to top the the fight in May, the domination. And if you're Figueredo, you're kind of like Jorge Masvidal when he got that rematch with Kamaru Usman. You win, obviously it's like you change the whole conversation. You lose, you really put yourself now like, look, you've, you're essentially admitting you either change weight classes or... You have to hope that someone takes the belt off Moreno because there's nowhere else for you to go after literally getting back-to-back chances to prepare and beat this guy. So, um, yeah, Moreno's taking all the risk. Once again, it's not a bad fight, but I, you know, I would have want to let it kind of uh, simmer, let it develop a little bit before we got it. But I understand Moreno didn't want to wait that long. He seems fresh. He seems ready to go and. He wants to strike while the iron is hot, so I do respect that. Yeah, um, for sure. Moving on, uh, one championship. Uh, there's they're celebrating the one century event. Or sorry, not one century, but the the tenth anniversary. One X. And so CEO Chatri Sityotong said that the card will feature MMA goat Demetrius Johnson taking on the Muay Thai 
it just superstar Rod Tang in a hybrid fight. They're going to alternate Muay Thai and MMA rules. It's going to be three four-minute rounds. They're going to be wearing the MMA gloves the whole time. Um, Natalie, I mean, I sent you a clip, so you're familiar with who Rod Tang is. You know who Demetrius Johnson is. What were your thoughts on this one? Holy moly. I was excited initially, and then I thought, oh, my goodness. I can only imagine how excited Mighty Mouse was for this. Like, you could just picture him being like, oh, yeah, man, let's do it. Like, no hesitating. Uh, Chatri said as much on, on the MMA Hour, but even beforehand, I thought, there's, the, you know, this is exactly what Mighty Mouse was hoping for. Like, let's mix it up when he went to one championship. Mix it up. We're doing something different. We have these opportunities and not only could I have fought a full Muay Thai fight if I wanted to in, in the in the cage or in the ring, but now we get to do this, you know, uh, you go, I go with my style, and then we go with your style thing. This is super cool, man. Like, who knows what it's going to turn into. The, it's, you know, I won't say creativity. It's been done before, but the, the willingness to do it now, no one else but one, maybe Bellator would do it. But, you know, it's not something we're going to see in the UFC. So good on one championship for, for making the most of the freedom that they that they have with their their giant roster of, of really diverse, you know, mixed martial artists. This is something special. And uh, I think that it's going to be, I don't know where, I don't think they've said yet where it's going to air here in the U.S. Uh, I know that, like there was a TNT thing, but I don't know if that's, still going to be the case but um i don't know if it's I just really live that we get to watch it I'm sorry, I, don't, go ahead. I don't know if it's live or tape delay tnt but i know for sure they tend to pop up on youtube pretty soon after on their channel okay. or, or bleacher report app if they're not on tnt oh, okay well yeah I, was saying, I hope it's on like a tv or something i can cast to my tv because you know i uh in the early days i remember just kind of having to watch everything on my phone for one and so <laughs> this one i want to see on the big screen I mean, uh, I can't really add much. I mean, I'm ready. Let, let's get ridiculous. If we're going to go crazy, let's go crazy. You know, that's what I thought when I saw that. Um, I, I don't watch a lot of... Look, there's so much MMA to watch. And I do like when big boxing comes on. So I'll be honest, I don't watch really any Muay Thai. But I've seen enough Rod Tank to know that dude is good television. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. And they're yeah. not the main event. They're they're yeah. going to add more for the 10th anniversary. So you got to think the, you know, Ang La, the maybe Christian Lee, if he wins, uh, I believe next week um, or this week, um, there's uh, and just so many people it could be. So I, I'm expecting big things from the 10th anniversary. And Natalie... You think that's bananas? Listen to this. And I'm sure you've seen it now because it's like it's like high school when you uh, MMA, the MMA world is almost having that whole thing happen where it's like they think two of the teachers are hooking up at a high school and all the students are trying to spread rumors about, <laughs> oh, well, so-and-so is cheating on his wife. And I heard that the janitor was in on it. And it's like, wait, what? This new promotion, per Ariel Hawani, the World Fight League, WFL. And the plan is, look, I could talk probably for an hour on all the details, but essentially they're going to run like a, the NBA or the NFL, 
rather than like one promotion, there's going to be several conferences with several teams. And it's going to work essentially similar to PFL. All the fighters, you know, the team with the fighters who win the most are going to move on toward the playoffs and the championships. And then the real kick is that there's going to be a lot of other incentives. For example, there's a 50-50 revenue split, which is higher than what UFC and Bellator and some of the other promotions reportedly do, as well as a very good uh, health insurance plan. And I have heard some rumors. I've heard that George St. Pierre and David Luazo, Canadian MMA pioneers, they are going to be in charge of one of the teams in uh, Canada. Uh, Natalie, I'm hearing this. You know, uh, give me your thoughts because I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get right to the point. But, but I had some thoughts when I was reading and hearing all of this. Yeah, initially I thought, you know, from the first report, it's like, okay, that sounds amazing. Yeah, right. Let's let's wait to hear a little more because it's a little pie in the sky. But look, PFL panned out. It's still, you know, working to build its brand, but it's there and it's entertaining. It's not the best show in town for MMA. And especially with the big names not panning out. But you have other big names that were born in PFL, Ray Cooper, uh, Kayla Harrison. Thank you, Kayla Harrison. <laughs> okay, so that. So PFL worked. One championship is working. Now, they've been around longer, but they're working. They're, 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 they're building. They're growing. What I'm getting at is, can you start a new MMA promotion in this landscape? Yes, I think you can. Um, how ambitious can you be with it? This is the most ambitious, right? At least on paper. Um, meaning, you know, We'll see what actually they can they can put together. But if this all comes true, what does it mean for the UFC? Not really Bellator one and PFL. What does it mean for UFC? Right? If you if you bring the UFC down by making your promotion so juicier, so much more enticing, so much more beneficial, like can you actually? either get the UFC to change or can you essentially steal all their talent? Not steal because the, the contracts are pretty tight, right? But, but, but I'm curious about, you know, if we look five years down the road, 10 years down the road and this promotion, this, you know, WFL, whatever it's going to be called, if it's still around, will it have succeeded? Think about the uproar, the excitement that came along with Leslie Smith and the, 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 the quest union. for union and the same with the you know, TJ Dillashaw and Donald Cerrone and that sort of weird thing that never, what's that guy's name? Uh, Rebney? Beyond, that never panned yeah. out. Yeah. So it's like, okay, is this one of those things that's just got someone with a big um, microphone shouting and, and getting everybody excited? Is it talk or is it real? I want to hear a little bit more. I want to see more of the faces behind the, the logo. What were you thinking when you heard about this as the details sort of unfolded? Um, first, it all sounds beautiful when you write it down like that. But in all honesty, and uh, if I'm being honest, I had just watched one of the documentaries on Hulu. But this sounds like Fire Festival MMA. Like yeah. they are, oh my gosh, this unbelievable thing that, you know, Fire Festival. They, it's going to be bigger. It's going to, it's going to turn Coachella into Blockbuster. 
and it's going to be Netflix. That's what they promoted Fire Festival. This whole thing, the way that, and maybe this is a bit of Helwani's writing, but it's like, oh, this is going to be the Netflix to UFC's blockbuster video. That's what it was sounded like, and I'm like, you know, okay, 50-50 revenue, it's going to be a long time before that 50-50 looks like 15% of what UFC is bringing in. Let's yeah, just get point. that right now. <laughs> um, secondly, you're, the only way this works is you throw a ton, and I am mean a ton. I mean, you have to have a lot of rich people putting up big money and writing big checks for you to tell me that this is going to be in any way sustainable because I think one thing right off the bat is that um, you're talking about a space where so much talent... Look at what Bellator is doing. Look at what one and the UFC do with Contender Series every week. The amount of talent that is available right here, right now, that is established, that you're not taking a chance on, is so slim that you're telling me they're going to fill up a roster around the world with it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, even respectfully, Kayla Harrison, you're tell- PFL won the lottery. Kayla Harrison became a great fighter. Yeah. Um Imagine Kayla Harrison zero and zero, and she just couldn't get the fight to the ground and kept getting just destroyed on the feet. I'm sorry, but we have a very different conversation on PFL's, you know, stuff. That is who you're looking to recruit at this stage in the game. So when I hear this, it all sounds absolutely amazing. I'm all for fighters getting a lot of these benefits and certainly, you know, if you're out there fighting on TV, you know, to make a different kind of wage than maybe we see a lot of people get. But to me, it just sounds so... You're essentially going to have to pay to turn people into superstars for for this thing to work. Yeah. Like you're, And I've heard the rumor, well, is Conor McGregor going to be a free agent by the time that this thing is open? I mean, if you're not giving Conor McGregor the comparable money off the bat he's not gonna come in he would rather make his own promotion be like mayweather collect 100 percent of the profit so mm-hmm. i don't see stuff like that happening and i could keep going but i really want to talk about nick diaz and robbie lawler so i'm gonna stop okay, right now but um that's what i think i'm gonna have to see it to believe it but initial thoughts you're gonna have to have a lot of money to make this anywhere near work because it's gonna kind of be like Triller. You're going to have to throw so much money at it yeah, and thriller. hope that it becomes self-sustaining. Because just a little up front, I don't see how you make that many pieces work in today's game. I just don't. Um, anyway, uh, real quick, Joe Benavidez, Carlos Condit, uh, two legends announced their retirement. Uh, real quick, I'll always remember Joe Benavidez being this baby-faced guy. And I'm not going to lie, sometimes he still looks like that with the clean shave. <laughs> But the fact is, um, I remember 10 years back, he's fighting Dominic Cruz for the first time. He did his thing in UFC. He's The fact that he's spent 10 years being in the conversation to maybe win a title, I think that says everything that you need to know about his longevity. Carlos Condit, that man was just... He's kind of like Robbie Lawler. I heard Kobe say this once. What's the difference when he wore different numbers? He said, different animal, same beast. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Condit and Robbie Lawler. Carlos Condit, 
Different kind of animal, same kind of savage. Gonna miss watching them both. Best wishes. Congratulations, guys. Do you have anything to say? No, man. I mean, it's it makes sense that they're doing what they're doing. They're retiring now. They've put on amazing performances. Carlos Condit, like legendary battles. Benavidez has been at the top for so long. So close, so close. Never quite got there, but it doesn't matter because he's he's been at the top for so long. He was so entertaining, so good, and such a great personality, such a great attitude, both guys. And you can tell that they were wise with their, you know, out of MMA extracurricular activities. I think they've planned well for themselves, for their futures. And that's it, you know. I think that's how you want to walk off into the sunset. They're doing it in a, in a really good way. Real quick, Condit's head kick on GSP, and everybody held their breath for those two minutes, thinking he <laughs> might be the third guy to get him. And he was, he was five minutes away from beating Robbie Lawler. That fifth round, Robbie just gutted it out and had his own added to his legend. But Condit was right there. It was anybody's fight that night, but. Yeah, just like I said, well said. I think they're both going to be all right moving forward. Uh, Natalie, it's time. Do you want to start from the top down or the bottom up? Oh, you know, for this one, I think we should, if I'm looking at the, the uh, our guide here, the top down. All right, let's do it. UFC 266 this Saturday. There's a lot going on on the undercard. You've got... Jessica Andrade taking on Cynthia Calvillo. You've got Jarzinho Rosenstrike and Curtis Blades. But we're going to talk about the triple header. Let's start it off. At the top of this card, Alexander Volkanovsky, 19-0. Sorry, not 19-0, but 19-fight win streak. Going for number 20. Coming off back-to-back wins over Max Holloway. And he's taking on Brian Ortega, 2.0. Came back. Looked like a completely different fighter against the Korean Zombie. Sprinkle in. They had to wait a minute. We got some uh, tension off the Ultimate Fighter. And we have our main event. How does this one go down, Natalie? Oh, boy. Um, I think Alexander Volkanovsky is not predictable, but he's, he's uh, how do I say that? Well, look, you know what you're going to get. And not in a way that means you can defeat him easily. He's usually shorter than his opponents, but that never deters him. He's powerful, especially from the legs. He's fast. He's tricky. He cuts corners super well. And he's game as heck. He's going to charge in there, throw his looping overhands, throw his sneaky shots down the middle. And there's no quitting him. You know, I think he lost the fight against Max Holloway, the second one. But just think about both of those fights with Holloway. I certainly didn't expect that performance from him either time. I didn't expect him to have a shot, but he's very game. And then I think about Brian Ortega, scrappy jiu-jitsu whiz, who doesn't like to use his jiu-jitsu because he wants to get in there and beat you up with his fists. Now, that's been to his detriment most times, even when he wins, right? It's at the very end in the early days where he used to, the very end, use his jiu-jitsu to finish up a fight that he was, you know, in danger of losing you think about the Holloway fight where he wouldn't he wouldn't do a takedown to save his life and took a beating and a half. How did he come back all that time later against Korean Zombie? He looked amazing. He had a new fight stance, slick, committed, focused, and much improved striking, which already was very good, but now it was like streamlined. It wasn't it wasn't mm, it was more instinctual. 
because it had been ingrained further into his into his into his mind. So when I think about this fight, I think I wonder, are these guys going to do their best to show off their finest skills? Maybe at first, but are they going to start getting scrappy at some point? Yeah, I think so. But this is where there's an opening for Brian Ortega. The ground game is just like, you know, it's just the ace in the hole, right? You don't have to worry about what anybody else has besides hands when you're Brian Ortega, because if they decide they want to take you down, good luck. The fight's essentially over. So I'm looking at this and thinking it's going to start out nice and it's going to end up scrappy. It's going to end up bloody. And uh, I'll save my, my, my pick for, for after you talk, but that's how I'm seeing it. To me, the biggest thing is obviously, um, can Brian keep the distance and can he get the takedown if he really needs it? And uh, after that, I think that you've seen everything you need to know about just how good Alexander Volkanovsky is about getting in and out in that range. I think that Brian, when I break down the zombie fight, his before, you know, Brian Ortega 1.0, heavy-handed he kind of just was looking to box and you could see it he he just lifted a lot he kind of relied a lot on his he's a big featherweight his back is very filled out um he's got that athleticism and that speed he's a young guy going into the zombie fight you know he's looking you know longer stance wider stance slip he he got you know he really got that whip more on his kicks and he was just a more well-rounded fighter you know his striking was so much more multifaceted that being said i didn't watch that and think oh he's like jose aldo with his leg kicks i I don't think that he's got these oh my gosh they're going to be so devastating that they're going to really wear down on volkanovsky's um uh just legs and mobility if he starts trying to crack him with the kicks and to me that's important because i think we've seen enough by now volkanovsky's very durable his ability to get in and out and pick his timing when to come in. I think uh, put the fights with Aldo aside, fights with guys like Chad Mendes and Jose Aldo, um, that's where I felt like you really could see just how he's going to handle a guy like Brian Ortega, just really pick his spots, use a just a multifaceted attack, attack with the legs, you know, work the body. He's not trying to just go all for headshots. He's aware he's got to open him up a little bit as the shorter guy. I think that's where it's really the key. The second one, if Brian Ortega gets on top of you, I do favor him to finish that fight. I'll give you that. He was He's never been a lights-out wrestler. And even against the Korean Zombie, he was very sad, um, happy to strike with him. There wasn't too much going on in terms of the grappling Volkanovski, I'm going to give him his credit. At this stage of the game, being the shorter guy, I expect him to be a lot harder to take down than Brian Ortega may be prepared for. And I think that's the key. Uh, I think that if Volkanovski could keep it on the feet, keep himself from eating too many kicks, I do see him outlasting Brian Ortega in a five-round fight. And I think that's just tipping my hand for the um, my pick on it. I think Brian Ortega 2.0 is going to make this exciting, but I think at the end of the for however long it lasts, it ultimately is going to go the way of reigning champion. I think that he doesn't get enough credit. He is in a he used to be 200 plus pounds in rugby, but he's a featherweight powerhouse 
Volkanovski. I'm going to go third round TKO. I think he gets the finish this time. Oh, okay. Um, you said third round? Third round. Third round TKO. Gets the okay. punch, follows him down. Wow. I like it. I can see it. But I'm actually going the other way. Brian Ortega, I think he's going to be able to hurt Volkanovski, get him down, and submit him. I think submitted, submitted, submission by Brian Ortega, uh, round three. Does Brian land a lot of kicks in your prediction? It's there, right? But I don't. You I don't think he's more going to be so. sharper with the hands? I think he's going to, yeah, yeah. I think he's going to use his hands. That's just his, to me, that's more his style. Although he did have some good, some good surprising, like, kicks, um, if I can recall the zombie fight. Um, Look, man, the leg's there for the taking. I just don't think that's going to be a strategy. Like, it's going to be a big part of the game plan. It's going to happen to set some things up, but it's not going to be a full-on attack like McGregor Diaz 2, where, like, that's pretty much all you're doing because that's your best shot at, at getting in. All right, I get you. All right, I, I see how, I see what you're saying. All right, all right, I, I'm with it. I, I, I feel, I'm feeling, I'm picking up what you're putting down, Natalie. <laughs> I mean, look, we could talk a lot about that one, but we have obviously your favorite person to talk about in MMA, Valentina Shevchenko. Um, I think it's easier to say what she hasn't done. Uh, She is about, I want to say, one or two fights from catching up to Ronda Rousey's all-time title defense total. In terms of current UFC champions for the women, she's only behind Amanda Nunes in pretty much any category. Uh, She's really proven that she's one of the best talents we've ever seen in terms of women's MMA and really a lot of the weight classes overall. She's taken on tough, can't be underestimated, gonna go out there like she's Rocky Balboa, Lauren Murphy, um, five-fight win streak, uh, been in the game a long time, got into the MMA late. She's a late bloomer, but I think most people would say Lauren Murphy, if she's gonna do it, now is the time. She's just peaking in her career. She's beating some tough veterans. Um, I'll go ahead and with my breakdown first. I think to me the big thing about it is that Lauren Murphy, to her credit, uses her physicality, uses her grappling. Two very important qualities you want to have going into a fight with Valentina Shevchenko. What I will say is that, especially with the fight with Jojo Calderwood, on the feet, wasn't a, um still struggled a lot with Jojo who's very tough but I wouldn't say you know she's on the level of Valentina credit to Valentina her takedown defense and her grappling defensively it's a lot higher than uh I think a lot of people Lauren Murphy has taken on and of course most importantly her ability to maintain the distance on the feet that's really where she gets the job done and I think what sets her apart she's quick She's very multifaceted. She's very good everywhere. But the fact is, her striking is at a level that I think a lot of fighters just seem to always be trying to make up that deficit before they could really implement a real game plan. And I think that's what Lauren Murphy's going to be dealing with in this one is just the fact that um, Lauren has to... She's going to have to step into the fire. She's going to probably have to make this a really ugly fight, really just wrestle and when i say wrestle i don't mean like clean uh habib uh nice clean takedown and smash uh, i'm talking about just gonna have to get that body lock and just have to really gut it out to get valentina down and just make it an ugly fight ground and pound try to just go for submissions 
make her uncomfortable, she's going to have a tough mountain to climb. And I know I say that about a lot of fights, but when you're talking about anyone against Valentina at 125 pounds, that's just the world we're living in. When she's in that zone, there's very few people who could really get on her level. And I think we've seen that over the last few years. What about you? Well, yes, that's the thing, is that no matter who Valentina fights, no matter how well they've done to get to that spot or just been lucky enough to win a couple of fights against so-so opponents to get to that spot, you kind of see the writing on the wall because Valentina is one of the greatest ever, period, fighters, right? Not just male, not just female, ever. Like, the only thing with her is that you don't, you rarely get to see her in an all-out war, you know, she had the fight with Jan Jacek. She had, uh, and MMA anyway, the, the fights with Nunes. Um, she just fights so smart, and she adapts to every opponent. If Even if she knows in her head that you're just not even close to being as good as her, she's not going to take a chance. She'll wait for her opening, and then she'll attack you if she sees it. Think about the Liz Carmouche fight, right? Kind of a snooze fest. Now, it's not because Liz Carmouche was so much better than her, but it's because what she was good at was she was really good at, right, her, her grappling. And so Valentina Shemchenko had to be careful. So, okay, writing's on the wall. Shemchenko, it's kind of like, you know she's going to win. But I like Lauren Murphy a lot. I like her story. I like how gutsy she is. She doesn't quit. She's confident. She fights for herself. I think about her, her journey through tough and how she clashed with Eddie Alvarez and you know, the editing and however, whatever the true story was, it didn't paint her in the best light, but she stuck to her guns, man. And she was like, no, nah, this isn't right for me. And I don't appreciate the way you're treating me, period. This to me is probably the most like, like outside of MMA game opponent Shanchenko has faced. Like someone who, if you just ran into them on the street and you wanted to have words with them, they'd have words for you and it could end up in a scrap. Like Lauren Murphy doesn't mess around. So I think that's going to be an interesting challenge for Shevchenko. How is she going to address Lauren Murphy's skills and, you know, destroy them with her own skills, which is likely what's going to happen. But how is she going to do it? Is it going to be like a full on, you know, blitz crucifix like Caitlin Chukagian, like Jessica Andrade, or is it going to be, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to figure you out. Um, maybe this won't be exciting, but I don't care because I'm just here to keep my belt and do the dance at the end. Right. So, uh, pretty clear where I'm leaning. I think Shevchenko is going to beat Lauren Murphy, but I actually think it's going to be a long one. I think it's going to go, believe it or not, I think it's going to go to decision. Oh boy. You know what I will say? I think that stylistically, um, I, I think that Murphy, I don't know if she has the, what I've seen. I don't know if she has that big enough threat on the feet. And I think that to me is really, I've always been leaning toward Valentina. If I'm being quite honest, um, unless your name is Amanda Nunes, um, and I say this respectfully, I'm always going to lean toward Valentina. Just before I even ever break anything down, just because I think that that's just common sense at this point. That being said, I think that Lauren has really is really going to struggle getting in that distance. And I think that that, Kind of like Kaylin Chukagian, that almost plays perfectly into what Valentina likes to do. And you know what, Natalie? I think that she wants to get home 
and start thinking <laughs> about a uh, holiday vacation. Well, I mean, she almost is always on vacation, you know? Yeah, pretty Super much. Super spy and everything, but... You know what? First round knockout, Valentina Shevchenko. I think that Lauren's going to come in and eat a knee, and that's going to be all she wrote. Yeah, I mean, I can see that too. This is an interesting one for me because Valentina Shevchenko is my favorite fighter. Her, Wonder Boy, top two. But I got a soft spot for Lauren Murphy, and so I just, weirdly, I want to see her do better. So, you know, I want to see her last a little more than a round. I want to see her to, to have a better luck than Jessica I did, than Jessica Andrade did, than all the other people did before her. At least so that when she walks out of there, she can say, okay, I gave, I had my title shot. I'm never going to get another one, you know, to be fair, respectfully. And at least I gave a, I gave a good fight. And so, you know, it's a softy in me that's hoping for a little bit longer than a first round fight. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get her to stretch to five, to five rounds. Uh, but I, I think, uh, I think you might got something there. So I can't argue with you. I mean, we're not going to count the chickens before they hatch, but we're going to have to revisit some serious conversations about the future for Valentina if she wins. But that is not here. That is next week's show. And here we are. It's time. As Bruce Buffer would love to say. Um, 17 years in the making. I believe it's going to be about 8 years overall since we saw him last. Uh, Nick Diaz returns to take on former champion Robbie Lawler. And uh, look, I, I, I think the real appeal of this fight... Um, because we're going to talk about X's and O's that I don't think people are going to care about. At the end of the day, Nick Diaz isn't a guy that people care about how many he's won or lost recently. They don't really care what strategy he's going to come in with. Although, if he wants to win, he should. <laughs> the fact is, at the end of the day, he's going in there to get into a fight. Not win mixed martial arts. He wants to get into a fight and win. And that's what's endeared him to fans for years. Okay, I'm fully with you there. Robbie Lawler over the years, he's become a more efficient engine of destruction. But people get excited with good reason. They know exactly how he likes to fight and what he likes to get into when he's in that cage. And it makes for fantastically entertaining television. I I will say, we could talk about a lot of stuff. I know you're not going to really care. What I will say, I will throw the bucket of cold water on this. My two questions, how durable, well, three, how durable and how sharp are, is Nick Diaz after so many years away? Like, how much has he actually worked on his boxing, kept those skills sharp? Or how much has he just been breaking a sweat, not gaining weight in the couple years he's been out? Secondly, his chin. He was always tough, but this is going to be 20 years in the game as a professional. Fighting at the UFC level at some point this stuff catches up to you and you run into it like a train. Those are my two questions about Nick. Robbie Lawler, I think if he has kicks, this fight becomes a lot easier for him. I know he's been through a lot of injuries. If his kicks are not there, if he has trouble getting that whip and similar to Jorge versus Nate Diaz, suddenly this becomes a longer fight for him because suddenly now you want to Even though he's got that power, he has to win a fight with the hands. And that has always been one of Nick's biggest weapons. His boxing at mid-range and being able to smother you with volume and his jiu-jitsu from the top. 
Robbie Lawler, if he's trying to pick his spots and he doesn't have all those weapons available, this becomes a much more winnable fight for Nick because of the... I think that he's just got a lot less tread on the tires, if I'm saying it bluntly. So when they collide, I think it's going to be fun. It could go five. It could end in two. I I think that the fact that we don't get to see Nick that often is going to be enough for people to be like, I just want it to be bananas. I don't care about footwork and none of that, but that's all I'm going to say. Go ahead. Yeah, I think... Look, this is a fight where these guys are a lot older. It's been a long time since either of them have either fought and or fought and won, right? Uh, Lawler last fought in 2020. That was his fourth loss. Sorry, in August of 2020. That was his fourth loss. Nick Diaz, as you said, fought in what was 2015 to Silva. Anderson Silva it was a no contest. So it's been a minute for both guys in you know, in different ways. Who's still like the dog in the cage? I think they both still are. Like that's the kind of thing you can't, that doesn't just go away. Now you might be less effective at it, but if your opponent has been sort of, you know, sitting on the sidelines as long as you have or not having much success, uh, which would be for Robbie Lawler would be the case. And I feel like we're kind of walking into this fight with these guys basically still dead even with each other. They're still scrappy dudes at heart. They still have the skills they always had. Now, how much better, how much more have they improved in some aspects? How much have they degraded just because of age, you know, and things that maybe that they were interested in in using before that they're not so interested now? I don't know what that could be, but I think really, as I say all these words, I'm just thinking... Just get in there and start punching each other, please. That's all we want to see. No disrespect to both of you, but uh, let's let's get scrappy. Um, going back and seeing that fight, like Nick Diaz was, he wasn't scared. Okay, of course I would never say that, but he was just like, he was kind of like amped up, and he was he was. It's almost like when, you know, you're about to you're like a, a, a seal or something, a seal and the, the polar bear is coming up to you and you're like, Oh man, this polar bear is trying to kill me. And you just start like screaming at it. Like that's sort of how I look at Nick, Nick Diaz in that fight where he was just like, I'm just going to, you know, give you as much like crazy energy as I can because I'm not going to show any fear. Robbie Lawler is just like a savage man. He's just a wild animal. And you know, it didn't, it didn't pan out in his favor in that instance. But I don't know how savage Robbie Lawler would be in the cage against someone else at this point. Like if he was fighting anybody else this Saturday, how would he feel versus going in there with Nick Diaz with the legacy of this amazing fight in the rearview mirror? I think because he's fighting who he's fighting and because the fight is regarded the way it's regarded, I do think we're going to get what we're wishing for, which is they're just going to start fighting. They're pros. They know what the people want to see. They're not going to mess around. This isn't a fight that's going to get them one step closer to anything else but a round of applause and a standing ovation. So just go in there, be gladiators, and give us a show. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm expecting from them. Yeah, I think, once again, uh, people don't really care about how they choose to get it done. They really just care that they try to both bring the action. Um, 
I read once that, uh, and they were talking about it, that the business of MMA has changed it so much, and they specifically referred to Nick and Robbie One, and they're like, I mean, you watch that fight, those guys were just in it for the love of the game, for crying out loud. Now people, you know, the business has made a lot of different decisions for how guys fight and what fights they take and all this. I think people want this to be a throwback. They want to say like, man, you know, this is the Just Bleed audience, you know? Yes, like, you could be so talented like Valentina and you could be so multifaceted like Alex and Brian. But people just want some good face punching. They don't care if Mm -hmm. it's pretty. They just want it to get ugly, if I'm being honest. And I think that's the appeal of Nick and Robbie 17 years later. Uh, like I said, it, it's kind of, they're just pumping so much juice that it's seeping into all the other fights that we're going to talk about. I saw Brian Ortega said that, uh, I mean, if I'm being honest, that's the real main event. I mean, I know me and Alex are going to walk after them, but uh, like everyone knows. Uh, I think that that's the appeal. And what yeah. I will say, I am interested to see just how many new fans are there for Nick. We know the OG fans like Nick, but remember, the last time he fought, Conor McGregor hadn't popped and fought Mayweather yet. So there's a lot of new fans to the game who found it. I am interested to see what demographic specifically is there for Nick when we really start seeing it and talking about it. So that's where I'm at. That's all we got. I'm not going to get into it, but next week we will break down Tiago Santos against Johnny Walker. We'll recap everything International Fight Week. Fans, remember, I will be out in Vegas this time, so you will see me everywhere at Double G on TV, Hall of Fame, Contender Series, Press Conference, Fight Night. See me in the audience and the weigh-ins, all this good stuff. You will see me bringing content, so check it out. Until then, guys, take care. Have a good one.